0: Uh, one does not typically uh, turn to a major news publication to receive spiritual encouragement. But an article in the USA Today caught my eye. Uh, the author was Anthony Safano, and the article was entitled, How Easter and Christianity Undermine Atheism. I will just uh, read the last two paragraphs of the article. But atheists can scoff all they want. They can write all the best-selling books they want. No matter how hard they try, they will never succeed in making Christianity a thing of the past. And they will never succeed in snuffing out that faith in God that all humans naturally possess, a faith that is ingrained in our minds, our hearts, and our souls forever. Why will they not be able to do this? Because... Aside from all the logical arguments for God's existence and the miracles and all the truth contained in Scripture, one simple fact remains. 2,000 years ago, on the first quiet Easter morning, Christ did rise. Jesus is alive. And on that Easter morning... As a few women went to the tomb, they found it empty. They were visited by angels, and they left hurried and frantic to find the disciples to tell them this news. A lot happened, of course, that morning, people coming and going, and even Jesus himself appearing to a few. Well, sometime during all of that commotion, two followers of Jesus— set out from Jerusalem, and we're going to the small village of Emmaus. And tonight it is this story that we focus on. It is found in Luke chapter 24, and I'll be reading verses 13 to 35. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas, asked him, Are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied, he was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped He said to them, How foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted if he was going farther. The resurrection changes everything. The resurrection changes what is truth. Consider these two people that we just read about. I guess their lives could be summarized at that moment with two simple words, sad and confused. Sad because they had witnessed a crucifixion. Confused because of all that was going on that morning, was this, the women's report true? The tomb was empty? What is going on? And as they're on their walk, a, a mystery traveler arrives. Now, this is kind of humorous, because Jesus walks up to them, and they start telling Jesus about what happened to Jesus. It's kind of like, well, been there, done that. And so they share this story. Jesus listens. A little phrase that stood out to me as I read this text was these two travelers had hoped. Their their hope was past tense, which means it's not really hope at all. It's something that's behind them that's not really affecting them right now. Well, Jesus, of course, begins to walk with them. And Jesus begins to explain to them God's plan. Jesus talks about suffering and glory. You see, these two were just thinking about the Messiah and glory. But God's plan is what? It is, it is suffering and glory. 1 Peter chapter 1 summarizes it so well. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you, the prophets searched intently and with greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that were to follow. And so Jesus began to give a little sermon. To these two travelers, and he referenced Moses and the prophets, just kind of walked them through the Old Testament. I kind of wish we knew what scripture passages Jesus used. That would be pretty cool. Well, I'm just going to make an educated guess. I'm not saying this is it, but the Bible says Jesus started with Moses, and in Deuteronomy chapter 18, here's words of Moses. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your fellow Israelites. You must listen to him. Moses, predicting Jesus. Fast forwarding ahead to the time of Isaiah. Isaiah 53. Words that are familiar to to most of us in this room and, and we all should be thoroughly acquainted with Isaiah 53, just one verse in particular, which highlights the suffering that is to come before the glory. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him and by his wounds we are healed. One more passage that I I thought about from Jeremiah 31, and and this passage talks about God's plan is a new plan. God's plan is not merely to save the nation of Israel. It is to save the hearts and souls of people. It is to reconcile us, reconcile us with Almighty God. Jeremiah 31, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law on their minds, and I will write it on their hearts. And I will be their people, and they, or I will be their God, and they will be my people. Jesus is explaining the truth of God's plan, and he's also explaining the truth of who the Messiah is. Because these two travelers had misunderstood. This idea of Jesus explaining the truth got me thinking about truth in our world today. And you and I know so well that there are so many competing truths out there. I was reading the cover story to Christianity Today recently. The article was about how we live in a multi Faith world. Uh, the author was Ed uh, Stetzer. And so he made this point. According to the four largest world religions, four largest world religions, for one, God indwells all creation and takes on millions, millions of forms. For another, God may or may not exist, but that's really not the most important question. For one, God is a very judgmental God. He is one and he is absolute. And for one, God is one and he exists in three persons. And so we have Hinduism, Buddhism, Islam, and Christianity. If we cannot agree on even the very basic definition of God or his character, how can we say that all major religions are on the same path toward truth about God. Is there real truth? Some people like to answer that question and say no. My truth is for me and yours is for you, and that's fine, and let's move on. Now, I could give you a a lot of good reasons why Christianity is a, a very reasonable religion to put your faith in, right? We could we could talk about the the logical arguments for the existence of God. We could think about how the law in God's word, many of these laws are timeless, and over millennia have shown to be beneficial to family and society. And thinking about the Bible and Christianity is rooted in history, This is the best supported manuscript, ancient manuscript in the world, hands down. And when you consider how long it took to write the Bible, and how many people wrote the Bible, and at the same time, it is a unified whole, no other holy book can compare to it. All of these things are very amazing and very convincing. But I will tell you, if the crucified Messiah remained dead, then yes, Christianity is a a very nice religion to follow, and it is a truth among many truths in this world. But friends, if Jesus rose from the dead, if the Lord Jesus Christ is alive, then that means he is the way, he is the capital T truth, and he is the life. The resurrection changes everything. And for those two walking to Emmaus that day, the resurrection changed what was truth for them. And for us, the resurrection confirms the truth in a world of so many faith voices competing for attention. The resurrection changes everything. Secondly, the resurrection changes who we are. It changes who we are. What were those two travelers thinking as they walked along the road with Jesus? I mentioned they were already sad and confused. Maybe they became even a little bit more confused. Who is this person that doesn't have a clue of the biggest news story out of Jerusalem? I mean, crucifixions are a public event anyway, and he doesn't know? And then, we are now hearing the best sermon from the Old Testament that we have ever heard. I mean, we can't compare this to anybody else except, well, except when we heard Jesus teaching in the temple before his crucifixion. Who is this? And in keeping with hospitality customs from the ancient Near East, when they are reached their home. They, of course, invited Jesus in. Please, you need to come in for some food. And Jesus came into their house, and the Bible says they broke bread. Makes us think of Jesus feeding the multitudes, the 5,000 and the 4,000, and what did Jesus do? He broke bread. It makes us think of, of the Last Supper, of the Lord's Supper, where Jesus, with a much smaller group of his disciples, he gathers in the upper room, anticipating all that is to come, and Jesus Christ, with them, he breaks bread. And here, in this little house, in a town in Emmaus, Jesus, with a couple weary travelers, he breaks bread. And their eyes are opened. They see, they realize, they understand. This is Jesus, the living Lord. Jesus disappears and they begin talking to each other. Weren't our hearts burning as we walked along the road with him? Think about this. For these travelers, they were sad and now they're celebrating. They were confused. Now, they're confident. They had hoped. Now they are fully full of hope. They understand God's plan. They are followers of Jesus. Not only are they followers of Jesus, they are followers of the resurrected Messiah, the culmination of Old Testament prophecy right in their midst. Hallelujah! Amen! And the congregation says, Amen! Amen! Amen. Can you imagine what that was like? These guys were feeling empty, and now they are energized, not only in their spirits, but physically. They hightail it back to Jerusalem. The resurrection not only changes who we are, it also changes how we live. The resurrection changes how we live. There are consequences. For these, it was immediately, let's get back to Jerusalem. They find Jesus' followers there, and they say, we have seen Jesus. He is alive. The testimonies that you have heard filtering throughout the day, they are true. We we saw him. He is alive. And they told their story. They simply told their story. It makes me think. It makes me pray. God, God. How are you calling me in this next week in the rest of this year? How are you calling me to tell my story of what the risen Jesus means to me? We need to be aware. We need to be alert. We need to be looking for opportunities that God puts before us to simply tell the story that Jesus is alive and he is real in my my life, and in this world. Jesus is alive, and his resurrection changes how we live. This past week, in my morning devotions, I was reading from Psalm 102. Uh, The psalm uh, has a little subtitle. Before verse 1, it says this, A prayer of an afflicted person who has grown weak and pours out a lament before the Lord. Just verses 1 and 2. Hear my prayer, Lord. Let my cry for help come to you. Do not hide your face from me when I am in distress. Turn your ear to me. When I call, answer me quickly. So here I was uh, in the morning time, still dark out, before the day is started, and I'm reading this very depressing psalm. there's a lot of psalms of lament, you know. And after these first two verses, the next nine verses, the author just depresses us with all of his pain. And then came verse 12. It made me set up a little straighter. Verse 12, the psalmist's attitude abruptly changes. And why? Because the psalmist considers the character of God. I, I, I had to write something down about this. Here's what I wrote. Despite all the severe trials of life, the psalmist acknowledges the sovereignty of God. Usually, how we feel about a situation will affect how we think and how we act Well, faith leads us in the opposite direction. What we think about God, what we believe about God, uh, should affect how we feel about a certain situation. True faith in God will result in our knowledge of God affecting how we feel about a difficulty. True faith in God will result in our knowledge of God affecting how we feel about a difficulty. How much more is this true in light of the living Lord? My friends, the resurrection changes what is true or confirms truth. The resurrection changes who we are. The resurrection changes how we live. I know that the resurrection has changed your life. But right now in your life, whatever you're going through, how is God calling you to respond to the living Lord Jesus? And how does, how does God want the resurrection to change you in the week upcoming? The resurrection changes how I think and perceive, it changes how I feel changes how I act. It changes my goals. It changes my, possess- uh, my passions. It changes my desires. It changes my motivation. The resurrection of Jesus Christ does this. How are we to respond? I thought for our response some words from the Apostle Paul. And as you hear these words... May they become your words of response so that you may look at your life, both the good and the bad, through Easter's eyes. Colossians chapter 3. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Amen.